Welcome everybody into another episode of Campfire Conversations. I think this is number 22. It's that bonus content that comes at you. Well, really, there's no set schedule. It's just whenever I run into someone that I find interesting that uh, I want you to hear about, maybe know their story. And today we will visit with my friend Hunter McWaters, a uh, digital creator, the host of the Hunter's Quest podcast, uh, film producer, Christian, and uh, all-around good dude. Also, a die-hard hunter. And much like myself, got into Western big game hunting um, later in life. I think I was late 20s. I don't know when Hunter got into that, but uh, he's uh, a dyed-in-the-wool whitetail hunter at heart who has expanded his horizons uh, we'll get into all of that and much more, I'm sure, during this conversation. Uh, so without further ado, let's bring him on right now. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me on. This is cool to get to talk again. Yeah. So you've had me on your podcast before, uh, but I don't remember. You have to remind me, where do you live again? So I live in Chesapeake, Virginia. And as you can see, there's a little bit of chaos going on behind me. We're in the middle of a move. We're moving up to northern part of virginia a little closer to the mountains and stuff but um yeah man east coaster virginia the so i've Dominion. always wanted to head up there and do like the uh the chesapeake bay waterfowl experience and go to the the carving museums there's so much history and tradition in For that sure. part of the world uh is is waterfowling something you do a lot of Man, so that's cool that you bring that up because I've been thinking about this stuff a lot since I'm about to move, but that's really where my roots are, man. I grew up in the marshes and shooting fiddler crabs with my BB gun and just like we lived literally on a marsh. So that's I was just in it all the time. Um, And that's the first um, introduction to hunting I had. My dad started me off in a dove field when I was really young and then but mainly we were duck hunting. So my dad's a big water fowler. Uh, we duck and goose hunt he's got a place up on the eastern shore of maryland actually um you should come check it out sometime and have that experience but uh yeah man that's 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 where i got my start and then i started deer hunting so maryland is that where most of the museums are not not virginia um you know i don't know for sure that have like huge like like festivals celebrating there's a really big uh festival in easton maryland okay which is like 40 years like i don't know 10, 20 minutes from my my parents place up there mm-hmm. um yeah there's a lot of tradition and culture and you know waterfowl up there a lot of uh i i i picture punt guns market hunting mm-hmm. and those ducks a lot of them being taken to like new york city where if you look at a menu from like the the, the teens the 19s teens and 20s yeah. um uh, you could see like canvas back duck on there for sure. And it was more expensive than filet mignon. Yeah, man. Um, I, there's a really cool book about all that called the outlaw gunner. Have you heard of it? Uh, uh-uh. 
Okay, yeah. you should check it out. It's called The Outlaw Gunner, and it's just a book all about that whole era and the punt guns, and it's all about Chesapeake Bay and all, you know, right around where I'm from, from the Currituck Sound in, um, you know, northeastern North Carolina, all the way up to, like, the top of the, you know, um, eastern shore, Maryland, Virginia. It's uh, it's all about that kind of region during that time you're talking about. Pretty cool book. Oh, yeah, I'll have to check that. The Outlaw Gunner. Yeah. Okay. I'll check that out for sure. Because like you're saying about Hawaii, there's, you know, underneath, you know, the mainstream, because of that whole culture, there's a little bit of that almost culture of uh, poachers and like, you know, then the man, quote unquote, came in and shut it all down. And but Mm -hmm. that's also, you know, from the other kind of that's also conservation because those guys were destroying. I mean, they did a lot of damage. Yeah. So, yeah, well, you know, then we got the. migratory game bird treaty act and did away with market hunting mm. uh, so it took a long time for those birds to come back i don't know if canvasbacks ever really i don't fully think they came did. back i mean i think that the the continental population of canvasbacks is still under two million which sure. is why it's it, in my flyway in the central flyway we're only allowed to shoot one yeah per day and there's other factors involved too. I mean, at the same time, that's kind of ending. You're also having lots of habitat destruction and loss and there's other factors mm-hmm. involved, but that market gunning was, you know, um, it's a very interesting time to learn about, but it was pretty damaging on the wall on the waterfowl. Yeah. There's this one picture in the book. It's just a, a huge sack of corn and a Browning A5 with like an 11 shot extension. And it's like the most deadly combination to ever hit ducks. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And shooting them with lead shot too. Uh, yeah. Of course. Um, okay. So, so you grew up waterfowling. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about what you enjoy hunting the most now and subsequently kind of how that uh led to you starting your own podcast which what is it like two years old now how long have you been doing uh hunters Club? year and a half year and, year and a half, half. Okay. yeah so yeah man um like i said grew up doing that and then we got permission kind of randomly to hunt on this from a guy at church uh on this farm on the eastern shore of virginia it's um near a town called eastville virginia And so that was when I was about 14 and it was 750 acres, Mm -hmm. you know, nobody else hunted it. Um, Eastern shore is a peninsula that comes down the Delmarva peninsula, the tip of it's Virginia. And so we have the Northern subspecies of whitetail, which are bigger than our mainland Virginia whitetail. And there's no predators. I mean, I think there's some coyotes now, but I don't ever remember seeing even a coyote out there when I was hunting out there. Um, and so when I was about 14, I started, bo- and it's a shotgun and bow only out there. So I started bow hunting. Um, about do you 14. guys have psycho deer there too? So um, yeah, there I are Maryland and Virginia have, is some, that how you say it? Psycho? I don't I never heard some people that. say Sika, but I, we, I think it, the pronunciation is Sika. Yeah. I've heard Sika, but anyway, we don't in Virginia. Well, there, I think there are parts of Virginia that have them, not where I was hunting though. Uh-huh. Okay. But there was just a lot of whitetail. I mean, it was never a question of, are you going to see whitetail? It's like, are you going to shoot one? How big? Like, you're going to see. Huh. I never went and didn't see deer. I don't think I can ever remember do like not seeing a deer. <laughs> so, That's a luxury. Most people. It is a luxury. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. And so I fell in love with bow hunting, man. And um, from then, you know, I kind of took more of a big game route than my dad. He's more of a bird hunter. He did some deer hunting, but. Um, I really gravitated towards deer and bow hunting and big game. And, 
Um, one time he did take me down to your great state, actually, um, near Uvalde. Um, mm. and, uh, anyway, so, but recently I've really, um, for whitetail or what did you, what did you, yeah, we were hunting whitetail and okay. I shot a turkey and my dad shot a hog. It was just like nice. a friend's place, you know? Uh-huh. Um, that was a really cool trip by the way. But, um, so anyway, um, kind of coming, making a very long story short, hunting's always been a part of me. Um, three years ago I got invited. Well, it was, it was interesting timing. Um, I, I knew I wanted to start Western hunting because I just love the adventure, the travel aspect of it even. Um, and so but like a lot of guys do, I started kind of poking around and it was pretty intimidating, you know, with the draws and the applications and all this stuff. I mean, it's a lot. Um, yeah. So, I just let hunting fool do it all for me now. <laughs> oh, do you, okay. I used to, because I would miss application deadlines and be, you know, you're trying oh, to build points in every state that you can, uh, except nuts. for the only one I stopped applying for was Arizona. Cause I was like, they want you to buy the license is $300 every time. And they're like, yeah, I just go on a guided elk hunt by the time I 20 years at $300 a pop, you know, before exactly. you even have yeah. enough preference points to draw, like now nah, forget it. But all the other States, sure. you know, Utah, Wyoming, Montana, uh, Colorado now in some units and, uh, then trying to keep up with whether or not you can get a tag in Idaho. Um, yeah. you know, it was, uh, it was a Dude, lot and it's... so many different species too. Um, yeah, it's a so, lot. I'm fortunate now that I kind of have time to devote to it because uh, I'm sort of trying to go all in on this, on this uh, venture here. So like, that's, I consider that part of my job now, but like, Mm -hmm. if you're actually trying to like, you know, do a normal job and stay on top of all these States and points or, I mean, it's crazy. So, um, but anyway, so I, I dipped the toe in, but I was like, ah, like, to be honest with you, I was in very poor shape physically as well. Just, I was kind of overweight and, um, and I just was like intimidated by the whole process of the applications and all that. So I was like, ah, I don't know. Like I didn't really know how to start. Um, and then kind of by Providence, a friend of a friend sent me a random Instagram message. Like, Hey man, I'm going on this, like walk-in DIY caribou thing in Alaska. Like you want to go? And I think he messaged like probably 10 other guys, like just, you know, throwing it out there, trying to get a partner for this thing. And I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm in like, it was perfect. So then I realized what I signed up for. Um, Mm. (laughs) yeah, I was going to say, you don't look like you're fat anymore. No. So I sit about 180. 185 ish right now at this point in my life i was 250 pounds oh wow um uh, you should see the pictures it's gross but um (laughs) and no like no muscle not like not like chubby on muscle like i had the body of a guy who'd never went to the gym because i hated the gym i Uh I was just no muscle and just pure fat so anyway um i was already kind of starting to try to lose weight and stuff but this was just like the motivation i needed to really kick it into gear and start with the nutrition um i jumped into podcasts and stuff like you know great shows like yours and other other shows that helped me learn a lot um and started training my butt off and um anyway went on that first trip to alaska and i mean you know there's no way to really put into words and people that have experienced it i'm sure kind of what i'm talking about but it was life-changing we didn't even end up killing an animal um, but just the adventure and just literally the fact that just two guys from Virginia bought tickets and tags in Alaska flew up there and just, I mean, we had a good solid plan. We almost killed, um, there were a few animals that I had a shot at, but, uh, 
as a non-resident you can only kill bulls and they were we think very small bulls but you can't it's very hard to tell the difference between a small bull and a cow and so we just decided not to pull a trigger on two different occasions but anyway all that to say was um even though we didn't end up killing animals it was a great trip and it was life-changing um and that was when i was like yeah this is this is what i want to do because it's just it's it's not that it's better than like just tree stand hunting like near your house i still love that too it's not better it's just a more complete like experience of the wild and like challenging yourself on physically mentally spiritually so um and just i've always had that really like need for adventure mm-hmm. um so it was like life-changing man and then that set me on the course that i'm kind of on now to yeah. keep it brief so have you gone back to Alaska since then? Yeah. So last year we went with my same, the same guy I went with the first time. His name's Ned. Um, and he, like the other reason I like, I've never been to Alaska. I want it's Oh, you haven't? At the, oh. No, it's at the top of the list. I would say, oh man, I started, I started going to Africa about the time I was like, I need, I want to go to Alaska. Yeah. And I just kind of fell in love with Africa. Cool. And I'm still trying to do uh, every year an archery elk hunt. Mm. And so it's like gosh it's just one it's well just, there's no it's a time-consuming thing so well i got a tip for you then go in august because okay. you probably won't miss out. yeah you won't well you could do this hunt i'm about to tell you about too you won't miss out on your archery elk either so me and ned another guy went in mid-august flew in to a high alpine lake in, on kodiak island and did a blacktail hunt and you can I think you can buy two or maybe three buck tags each. Mm-hmm. We all tagged out. We only killed one each, but you know, made a really cool film about it too. It's an awesome, unique time to be in Kodiak. You're up, you're like in goat country almost. Cause that's where the, the deer are that time of year. And it's just lush and green and beautiful. And um, it's, it's a cool time to go. What does it take to get a goat tag? Um, I think it's a draw now um, for non-residents and I believe it's a guide required species. Yeah. So um, I haven't really looked into that, but I don't think it's super easy. Um, but I did just book a sheep hunt for 2023, which I'm kind of excited about. And um, you're podcasting full time. <laughs> how are you, how are you affording that? I don't know. I'm going to have to reverse engineer that man. Like, to be quite honest with you, just to be totally frank, um, I'm basically praying and going on faith that I can by then have a couple sponsors on board to help finance that. <laughs> yeah, right on. So I'm so going to figure out sheep. how to make doll sheep. Yeah. Man. And so what, I mean, I've, I've priced those things for 10 years and it's just like, uh, yeah, 30,000 find a, a deal on one still over yeah. ten thousand. Mm-hmm. well uh, that's do you know ryan bassham yeah okay yeah i, I was talking I to him ryan about quite well yeah i was i figured you did uh i was talking to him and man like i this i always like since that first trip to alaska i was like i i have to hunt doll sheep one day like i just i want it's and you know to be honest it's not cheap but it is the most affordable sheep hunt probably in the world. I think it is the most affordable sheep hunt in the world. Um, well, desert or a, uh, like a, a Rocky mountain. If you're going on private lands, you're in for 50 grand easy. Oh yeah. 50 grand. And a lot of them are high fence. If you're going to Mexico or something, right. Cause they're big. I mean, not that I don't want to get into that whole discussion, but not that that's necessarily a big deal, but um, yeah, it's twice. It's almost twice as much 
as yeah. the as a doll shoot. Anyway, I looked into it all, and and I always want to hunt the species. It was um, it's the most affordable sheep to hunt, and it might go to a draw for non residents in a few years. I've been hearing whispers of that for a few years now. And like you said, it's not getting any cheaper. It's only going up and I'm only getting older and slower. Mm. So I figured I'm just doing it. <laughs> How old are you? I'm 35. Oh, you're five years younger than me. So. Yeah. I'm just saying like, it's not, I'm not getting yeah. younger. Okay. <laughs> well, so, so what did you end up getting the tag for or booking the hunt for? How much? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I want to say, man. Well, I, I got we, a pretty we'll good just, deal. Talk, over 20. Yeah. It was like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But less than 30. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty much what I mean. It was okay. It, I mean, it was 2750. I think it's with the uh, rogue expeditions. Jeremy Rusink, I believe his mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a cancellation for 23. I actually kind of got, um, I don't, I don't want to say lucky, but he had a cancellation, um, for 2023. It was kind of a bad situation, but anyway, um, and I was able to jump on, but usually they're booking even further out than that. So that's oh, kind of yeah. why I say I got lucky is just because I was able to find one in 2023 and kind of lock in the, the price. Cause you know, anyway. Yeah. It's only going to keep going up. There's no yeah, doubt about that. For sure. Uh, I, I had a guy tell me he would, he outfitted, it was, he was my uh, black bear guide in mm-hmm. uh, Alberta. And he told me he did a summer in Alaska no, it was it wasn't Alaska. It was the uh, Yukon. So, mm. but you know, essentially, yeah, just as remote. Like he said, by the time you got a bell pepper into a camp, there it was like a seven dollar bell pepper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like that's logistics for sure. You know, it's a nightmare. Yeah. But and uh, getting yeah. there is it is far away, but um, that Kodiak hunt is way more affordable. I mean, mm. it's it's very doable. Um. So all in, what fun. would you what would you be in for? Because I've priced the the caribou hunts where you would uh, basically just use a transport service mm-hmm. in and out. And Dude, do that's D- gotten D- crazy D- too. Oh, how I think last time you I looked at, well, you could do it for like under five grand. Oh, dude, Tag not anymore. Every- it is oh, really? ridiculous now. I think it's up in like the fifteen range for a DIY caribou hunt. I I might be misspeaking, so don't quote me on this. But I I priced it out, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Not to mention, you got a book like three years out, and like it's like it's crazy, man. It's Alaska's getting nuts with the. It's just getting nuts. So that's why that's another reason why I just booked this thing, man. Because like you never know what regs could change. What you know, I guess maybe the COVID stuff. I don't know, but it's it's skyrocketed, and it's hard to get spots, even for those DIY ones. Um, there is still some like walk-in opportunity though. Um, I know to be I had. had a buddy that shot a moose, a, D- a DIY mm-hmm. Alaskan moose hunt. You can yeah. do it, man. If I wasn't kind of already scheduled for th- for some other stuff, I, we, me and Ned, we're gonna do another walk, and I'm kind of wish I could still do it, but I just can't this year. But um, so if you're planning on doing it, I would recommend doing it sooner than trying to push it off. But there are walk-in opportunities to be had too. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so all in on the the Sitka, or no, sorry, the uh, Kodiak Island. Uh, yeah, I'm so bad at remembering numbers, man, and I don't want to miss you know misquote it. But you know, I Under think we got. Yeah, yeah, I think okay. um, the the bush flight is like fifteen hundred bucks. Uh-huh. I think the um, tags are about. Please, guys, research this. I'm just 
throwing numbers. I think they're about 200, two to 300 bucks for a tag. Uh, they're over the counter. Um, and you can buy a couple if you want. And then I think we got airfare up there for like $800 or something. Yeah, well, all the, all the, everything that relies on fuel is, is, is gone up you know, subject to change because of, yeah. Yeah. But our, definitely I would say under fearless five. commander in chief. Yeah. Yeah, man. The world is crazy right now. Oh, he's a senile idiot. So we'll just leave it at that. Dude. I, I'm not a very political person, but like, I really, really don't like this administration. Yeah. Well, like, you're in a, really you're in a don't political like forum now, brother. <laughs> yeah, it's true, man. It's true. I, you know, I that's really how I do roll not. and I don't care. And I oh, do sponsors and I'll lose more and I don't care. And I'll get no. more. Like I've actually, the companies that I'm working with now, like I just put a, I tell them up front, like, this is who I am. Yeah. If you're, if you're, if you don't want people you're, that you're, uh, associating with to, to wade into politics or the second amendment, then I don't want to work with you. Yeah. And we'll just leave it at that because I want, and I think, dude, I think we've reached a tipping point where even these companies, a lot of them that have typically shied away from that conversation mm -hmm. dude, I think they're, they realize like, Hey, there's one side that's, especially if you're selling guns or, or optics or anything like that, there's one side of the fence that wants that to go away. Mm -hmm. certainly restricted and this has this is way before uvaldi yeah i mean oh yeah it's just then another one side that that doesn't so who were you going to align with companies right yeah i think that uh for five or six years it was like oh we, we don't want to offend people we, we don't we don't want to be political right we want to be apolitical i think a lot of companies are like eh, we, we're gonna we're getting on board with political you conversations kinda, yeah, tough I mean, to at have, some point you got to yeah. it's someone you so got to we'll show up. me one uh anti-gun piece of legislation written by a conservative show me one piece of anti-hunting legislation written by a conservative yeah I'll, oh wait yeah. oh crickets <laughs> is what you get because that's what the reality is yeah so no, and i love like, that yeah. you're you're so like i saw your post last night i think it was and you're just you've always kind of had that like i've been following your instagram since way before i started doing anything like podcasting or anything and um yeah you've always you've always had that so that's cool man yeah well <laughs> i lost a beer i lost lone star beer over it years ago and oh you, you did know, okay. and you're but yeah. you're still lone star outdoor show <laughs> well they weren't they, you know i was that before i was sponsored okay. by them gotcha uh, it was just a good fit but you know they're they were purchased by pabst and they're based out of la uh, and i was just like oh the writing's on the wall for this deal yeah uh, but that's all right it, it didn't matter i didn't care i like drinking other beer anyway and for like 10 years i could only post pictures of lone star beer so yeah it was uh it wasn't the end of the world yeah by any stretch of imagination um but yeah so what is your what is your goal with your with your podcast man um you know i didn't have huge ambitions for it to be honest with you when i started it was kind of just a way to get my foot in the door and to learn a lot and to meet some cool people i was like you know if no one and i just i'm an entrepreneur at heart i love starting stuff um so i was like you know and the other thing too was is like so i don't know if you've heard my podcast much but um and i don't remember exactly where our conversation went to be honest but i, I felt like i had a little bit of a unique spin in the uh, in the space in that I do address spiritual issues with most of my guests, almost all of them, not all of them, but almost all. Um, Cause I want to have that topic with guys and with hunters. And I noticed a lot of 
um, a lot of guys in the industry and, and big names and stuff like that are believers. Now there are, there's a lot of LDS guys in the hunting industry as well, but still they have faith. Their faith is very real to them. It might be a different faith than me, but um, Wait, our values. LDS, what's that? Uh, Mormon, Latter-day Saint, Church oh, okay. of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint. Um, there's a lot of those dudes in the Western hunting community and they're good guys. Um, anyway, I want to have another podcast where we did talk about tips and tactics and hunting stories and that kind of stuff because i learned a lot from that but i also did want to talk to guys about their spirituality and how that relates to how and why they hunt and stuff like that but i didn't want to have like um a podcast that was like really preachy or like necessarily saying you must believe this this is the truth da, da, da. i just wanted to have that conversation um and i'm not going to water down my feelings or my beliefs mm-hmm. um i am what i am i'm a christian you know um, Jesus is my Lord and savior. I'll say that, but I'm not afraid to have the conversation with people who don't agree with that. And I'm not gonna, you know, um, I just, I didn't want to be too preachy. I wanted to address the topic, but not be too preachy. And there's a good, there's a place for those types of, I don't want to say like preaching is bad, but there's a place. I just didn't want to be that necessarily. So my pastor anyway. had an interesting serve a sermon on cognitive dissonance, uh, Sunday. Mm. Yeah, like, uh, I know this is right, but I am being told that this is acceptable. Is oh, this yeah. ethically very like, apropos know, to yeah, our times like, right uh, now? The world is telling me this is okay, but like something in my mind is telling me that it's not. Yeah, uh, how do I rationalize those two? Uh, well, that's usually maybe, the I, maybe I can believe both of them to be true a little bit, but how do I rationalize which one? How do I vet out which one really? Right. Is, well, it could be the Holy Spirit telling you it's wrong and not to listen to the world. But anyway, I kind of went off on a tangent. I had a little unique voice, but my goal now is always this, like the same goal with a podcast. But in terms of like career, you know, my goal is to I have a background in filmmaking. So I started making films with like that Kodiak hunt I talked about. We made, I made a film about that. You can see it on my YouTube channel. Um, Brian called it gritty, saw it, liked it. He ran it on his YouTube channel. We kind of started doing some work together. Um, so I want to go more into films this next year. Um, we got a lot on the schedule in terms of filming both my own projects and with some with Brian. Um, and I just, you know, I just want to do what I love and, um, and provide for my family. I don't think I'll ever be rich or anything like that. I don't have any illusions of that, but if I can do what I love and provide a decent life for my family, I'm happy. Mm Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're, that you're going for it. Um, but I do want to go back to the, the spiritual thing. I, I think sure. a lot of, uh, because I find that to be very interesting. I think a lot of guys in the industry, uh, a lot of them are like, like a, apolitical, right? They don't want to talk about politics because right. they don't want to alienate the fan base. I think a lot of them uh, are believers, but again, they don't really talk about that. Totally. Which I don't talk about it a lot, uh, but I do mention it. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, I, 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 sometimes I cuss way too much. Uh, and I, I, str- I struggle with that every day uh, as a father. We all I, don't have stuff. Front, I don't cuss in front of my kids, but uh, I, I'll, I'll write it on. I'll write it on social media if, if I'm really trying to make a point or I have another. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> I have a political podcast uh, that is social. It's political slash uh, examination of social issues with my elk hunting buddy. Yeah, it's called Justified Pursuit. And both of us like struggle with that. So I, I made a point to be like, okay, no more swearing on justified pursuit for me, yeah. it, you know, try not certainly no more F bombs. 
Uh, yeah. But there were times when I would just get fired up and they'd just start flying. I'm like, as a Christian, I can't, I can't continue to, to say I'm a believer. And that's true. And, and some people will say, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying a cuss word. Was it, what is it really even, as long as you're not taking the Lord's name in vain, what is, what is it's, that? It, that is, yeah. So you don't, I mean, there are scriptures about, you know, having no, um, basically foul language coming out of your mouth, but at the same time, I don't, I'm not very legalistic. I think God on the, on the whole is a good father. Now he's also holy and you must try to be perfect, I guess. But like, he's not going to, he's not, you're not going to, I don't think you're going to go to hell for dropping some F-bombs. I mean, right. he's not going to smite me down since but... you, right. Since you have a public forum, you might want to consider if you want to represent Christ on your podcast, might want to consider toning him down. But I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't think God's an angry God waiting to smite you with the lightning bolt. No, I think he's no. a good father. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I also feel like, and I, I went to church my whole, you know, grew up in the Baptist, Southern Baptist church. Mm -hmm. Me uh, too. Yeah, uh, Church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, youth group, <laughs> yeah. you know, and the, the weird thing is, is that a lot of my best friends aren't kids that I went to school with. It's kids I went to church with at 40 yeah. years old. Those are still my best friends. Now, That's cool. sadly, about half of them, are no longer believers, which hmm. is, which is kind of sad to me. Um, and I don't, I don't know, I guess the, the, the younger generation, it seems like our generation and younger, it seems like the, it's becoming harder and harder to be a person of faith. Like the world's is, just man. becoming a darker and more devious, hostile, hostile. I feel bad for my kids, man. That's the other reason. Um, why I'm willing to talk about politics is because I, what world am I leaving my kids if Dude. I don't stand up and say yeah. something? I, I do not want to, I can't put my kids in public school. Like I, I can't, mm. <laughs> I, don't I wish I, I had a, you know, I could afford, uh, yeah. 30 or $40,000 a year oh, tuition, but then I wouldn't get to go doll sheep hunting if I did that. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going uh. doll sheep hunting anyway, but no. I, uh, we, we, you know, we, we moved to McKinney, Texas because the school districts were good. Mm -hmm. It's not being infiltrated yet with trying to transgender yeah. six and seven year olds. Um, dude, even the textbooks now I heard have like, there'll be like a math problem and it's like Billy and his two dads went to the car wash. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like young kids. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't know, man. Um, My, but, so yeah. do you know, Jeremiah, uh, Doty from field to plate? I don't well, know him now. No game chef. He has a, a, a the name good, sounds familiar, but I'm not. I don't know yeah. him. He had me on his new podcast the other day, and he told me. So he's he lives in California. Mm -hmm. His whole family's there. He he wants to leave, but he's kind of anchored there because of the family situation, and he travels a lot to hunt. So there's your support group who's helping with the kids when he's gone. Uh, mm. But he told me he got a letter, an email from his sixth grade daughter's school saying, could she be, uh, or, or did she want to be part of a, uh, health resources study and, or survey, a survey. And he was like, well, no, you're not going to give it to my kid unless I see it first, send it to me first question. And this is for a six year old girl. Do you ever feel like you might be a boy? First oh question, question number one, six years old, gate. six years old, dude, that's the kind of filth that's being taught in California and the same stuff in New York, dude. It, and I've said it many times, all the filth 
starts on the east and the west coast and it just tries to bleed and bleed itself into middle america yeah. and we you know we're trying to fight that uh i i, I yeah. encourage more parents to get involved with school boards because that's where you can make a difference uh like yeah well hell uh a lot of people are homeschooling was, uh, virginia right it was virginia just elected yunkin yeah uh and he ran on the platform of parents are going to run or run the curriculum in schools not yeah that was one of his big things yeah. yeah so that was awesome to see parents are tired of it dude yeah and a lot, a lot i see a lot of people doing homeschool now pulling their kids out um yeah yeah that's certain that would be a more affordable option uh, yeah a lot of a lot of a lot of guys i hunt with are doing that um yeah it's rough man but i mean go back going back to what you're saying i mean i think there are a lot of guys in the hunting industry good guys who are men of faith and you're right they don't it's not and that's why i wanted to kind of start the podcast because mm-hmm. you know guys like dan staten or even adam weatherby adam was a pastor for like 14 years before he huh. started running weatherby um dan was a young life leader when he was younger i didn't know that i hunted with dan in texas this year yeah yeah that's right yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. a good dude man i really had fun with him he's a good guy he's intense yeah. and a good hunter um but yeah he's awesome man talk about somebody uh, dedicated to physical fitness yeah for sure he's dude he had, would like <laughs> yeah. yeah he would take his shirt off out there you know just like around camp or whatever and he's like a freaking like greek statue like yeah. his body is like <laughs> crazy so, so do you still talk about faith um mm-hmm. on the podcast yeah for sure i mean um like I even had the other day, Jason Valentin from Bethel church, um, mm-hmm. who's one of the pastors there. He's a, he's got a really cool men's ministry. He was on. Yeah. I, I not every single, sh- like I just did a couple bear hunt recaps with Mark Livesey, And I mean, you know, we didn't really get into faith and spirituality that cause we we're recapping a bear hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, but so like, you know, if it's, but I would say most, most guests, I, um, we talk about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no i'll be honest i don't listen to many podcasts i i get uh, i get you man i get burned out <laughs> I, not burned out that's i don't i don't not enjoy my job it's it's i'm blessed to get to call hosting a, a hunting and fishing yeah podcast a job for almost 15 years uh that's awesome i want to escape with like music or mindless sports talk radio oh, yeah for sure of course uh, so by the time i'm done editing because it's a radio show um yeah the primarily now this campfire conversation will only be on podcasting apps but um because the radio show dude there's so much editing that goes into that i know i listened to one of your episodes and i was like dang because i don't to be honest i don't listen to a lot of podcasts either yeah. anymore like at least not a lot of hunting ones but well i don't really listen i listen to audiobooks now and stuff like that but anyway mm-hmm. um yeah you have a lot of production in your episodes yeah so that takes it probably takes 10 hours to produce uh an hour and a half show and wow by then yeah. i'm uh i'm over it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, I'm, well, let's listen to some uh country music or something but yeah um yeah and so you've been doing it a year and a half and you put out what uh, an episode a week or how often mm-hmm. are you releasing an episode yeah i started off at first with one every two weeks and then i was like okay i can i can do this i got a little library built up and so yeah i, I get one out every week now and I'm really trying to build the YouTube stuff too. So like I said, I had my first film come out this year and um, I got a bunch planned coming up. Um, I just was on Mark, a hunt with Mark Livesey and Lampers and Brad Hunt and um, for Spring Bear. So, but where'd y'all go? Idaho. Nice. 
Yeah. And um, filmed Mark shoot a really nice one. I'm working on editing that right now. Um, What's your, your unclean butt into Canada, huh? Dude, I'm not getting vaxxed. I'm not going <laughs> to Canada. <laughs> Which, I, would, I, I, I knew I was going to like you more if you said I stayed south of the Canadian border for my bear hunt. Because, dude, I've had a bear hunt there for on, on uh, Vancouver Island, black okay. bear hunt. For two years, it's been booked. I'm not going to go until yeah, they, I, they tell me I can't. Poor dude, Canada is nuts right prime now. minister just told them they're going to ban the sell, sale of, of handguns because yeah. of a crime committed in Uvalde, Texas mm-hmm. with a completely different style weapon. Right. And Why then they're also that? decriminalizing cocaine at the oh, same time. In the same breath? Yeah, oh, did you see sense. that? No, I didn't. Yeah, they're decriminalizing cocaine and, yeah, banning handguns. Um, oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, Canada's nuts right now. I'm not going to Canada. I'm not getting that stupid vaccine either. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's insane, dude. Like, uh, it, Alaska's it, right there. Like, why do you even have to go to Canada? Yeah, yeah. We have our own Canada. <laughs> yep. the last I'm just kidding. I really do frontier. hope to be able to hunt Canada sometime, but, um, oh, the minute I'm they not, lift that restriction, I'm going to go. Oh, yeah, for I'll sure. I've hunted in Canada a lot and it's beautiful. I think the Canadian like people are, are great people. They are. Uh, but they've elected a tyrant and, they just have to get rid of him and all of his cronies yes. take start taking their country back, dude. It's uh, it's absurd. But that's the that's the playbook. Like, hey, United States, pay attention to what's going on in Canada because we're about fifteen sure. years behind what they typically do. Yeah, they're kind of more aligned with Europe almost or whatnot. Yeah. Oh, dude, I had a French guy on. Um, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, what was his name? B- Baptiste. Uh, yeah, he looked cool. He was. And but he said he, he he his message was very clear. Be thankful for what you have in America, because my country was like 30 years yeah. ahead of, you know, I can see it. You yeah. Know, now we're completely socialist. Crime is out the wazoo. Yeah. People sucking off the government teat, you know, don't want to work. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of what we've seen here the last couple of yeah. years. When you incentivize people not to work. Well, yeah. And they don't just want to go the- back. And the uniqueness of our, um, like, you know how rare it is in the world that you can grab a gun and buy a license and go out and hunt for your own food, like, mm-hmm. even on public lands and stuff. I mean, um, just that alone. I mean, not that, you know, America's got way more cool stuff going for it than that. But I mean, just that's, I mean, that's rare. And that's a privilege. And that's pretty awesome. Have you ever uh, put any thought into like going to Africa? Yeah, I've been to Africa on a mission strip. I've never hunted Africa. I know we talked about Africa quite yeah. a bit on the podcast when you were on my show. Um, I have thought about it. I'm definitely not opposed to it. Um, I think there are so many, since I kind of just started hunting, Western hunting and stuff and really getting into it. Like, you know, I've hunted whitetails and stuff forever, but um, in terms of different species and new hunts and stuff, like there's still so much I haven't done in America mm-hmm. that like I haven't really been drawn yet strongly to go to africa although the international thing is starting to kind of kick in um so i haven't been yet i was just curious because it kind of segueing for what we were talking about how great america is mm-hmm. and we're living in a time where it, whenever you disagree with somebody here's the racist card you're a racist yeah you're a racist yeah. or you're a homophobe okay. guess what i've seen real racism dude in africa and it is colonial and it is two different classes of people. They are yeah, not equal. For sure. 
Yeah, and, Africa's nuts. And people say, oh, America's so racist. They're laughing at us over there because we create our own problems. He's like, you guys have it so good. Yeah. That you just create your own mess. He's like, and, and if it wasn't so good, why does everyone still want to come here? Exactly. Dude. Do you think immigrants are coming here because we're the most racist country in the world? No, they're not. It's because it's a land of opportunity. Uh, it still so I want is. people to think about that too. Like, it still is, man. You are not inherently racist based off of your skin color at birth. You're just not. I don't believe that God made us like that. No. Uh, despite what people want to teach you or tell you. No, it's not. No. It's not the way it is. And my kids aren't going to be taught that. That's that's awesome. The kids man. don't even yeah. see skin color, dude. That's the thing. They're teaching yeah. kids to see skin color. Yeah. And to me, that's insane. Yeah, there's a lot of bad. I I just keep my I don't even see that's the thing is like that's why I say like I'm not political, is yeah. because when I start looking into it, I just it's so bad. <laughs> I just maybe it's wrong, man, but like I literally intake zero news. Yeah. I'm not exaggerating, zero. Okay. Um, I just don't like I live in my world with my family and I do my thing. Maybe that's wrong, you know, and I hear stuff on social or whatever, but like, I don't, I just don't really get into it because it's bad, man. And unfortunately, it's just the way the world is, especially, I mean, I'm not, no, 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 that came off way negative. I'm not saying the world is bad, but there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world right now, but there's also a lot of good stuff. You might be right with the world being bad. When I say the world, I mean, like society, you know, like the biblical sense of the word, the world, you know what I mean? Like um well i think a lot of it has to do with that god is not as prevalent as he once was you know yeah or man's desire to be close to god i'd say maybe god's still there but man's desire to be close to him yeah that's a better way to put it god didn't god didn't go anywhere right man's going off the deep end (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i mean i feel like at the same on the same breath you know i feel like there's a lot of other generations who probably felt the same way like oh this is terrible it's just maybe it's just the way of the world you know i don't know um because i mean there was you know you go back to like ancient greece and stuff there was open pedophilia and like all kinds of crazy stuff so i mean you know apart from god man is always going to be pretty bad (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. so you know i just don't pay too much attention to them well i envy <laughs> that approach i just i don't know i can't i guess i'm not wired that way but and 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 hosting this other podcast now it's like i'm more invested in it yeah than ever um but i i don't i like discussing that stuff anyway but, but you know for sure and you know i don't want to make it sound like i got my head completely buried in the sand over here i mean like I respect guys like you and um, you know, there comes a time when you got to draw a line in the sand and you got, you know, say enough's enough. I love the stuff that Sean Foyt is doing. Um, you know, are you Sean with him? Foyt. I'm going to have to check him out. Okay. He's like, he's like a worship leader, but he's like, he ran for a, a big like Congress or something. I see. This is how bad I, I don't know all the details, but um, he's been leading these like worship nights around the country. And like, they like, did some big political stuff just check him out it's like f-e-u-c-h-t is this how you spell his last name anyway um there's a time you gotta draw a line in sand and fight for what's right and speak up and i know that and i know where that line is but like at the same time i can't get too wrapped up in the world because i mean it says in the book i mean that's the way it's gonna be and um so i just i try to stay close to god do my thing 
but of course there is a time when you got to engage yeah um i find so i say we probably go to church twice a month and I find it very important to, because my kids go to public school. I didn't, I went to private school, so I got inundated yeah. uh, with biblical teaching mm-hmm. from kindergarten through high school. Uh, my kids are getting it in home at home and at church. And so they're not, they don't have as m- much of it as I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and due to hunting, I'm gone at least one weekend a month. So that's one weekend that, my wife has to take them by herself or, uh, she works one weekend a month mm-hmm. at the hospital. So then that's, uh, one weekend I have to take them by myself. And there was probably like a good three year stretch there where we, if we were lucky, we went once a month mm-hmm. and, uh, and then we kind of, as they've gotten a little older, have been called to get our butts in the pew and subsequently them as well. Sure. Um, one thing we haven't done though is get plugged in with like a small group. And so mm. my daughter that's wants big. to join the choir, the youth choir. Oh, cool. And so we typically go to church from 10 to 11. Well, the youth choir practices from nine to 10, right? When small group is. So uh, our, my daughter has forced our hand as far as we've been talking about joining a small group. And now we're actually, uh, gonna have to do that. I think that the choir picks back up at the end of August. So do you guys, the small group is on Sundays mornings. Yeah, or well, Sunday school, like a small. Okay, okay, yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. We did at our church um, small groups. Like I don't know, you can pick a night during the week and, and just kind of like get together in the evening. Mm-hmm. Another night it doesn't really matter when you do it. But I will yeah. say, getting involved in a small group is is really big. I mean. Um, because church is meant to be community. It's not supposed to be just a building you show up on Sunday and and just have like really the point of church. And first of all, you can be a Christian and not go to church. I mean, I know there's different people think different things on that, but church is about community. Um, It's also shouldn't be the only place you're getting fed spiritually. Like just like if you show up at the gym for 20 minutes, once a week, it's not really going to do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're trying to grow spiritually, you know, you got to be doing some of that on your own too. Um, but church is there for community in my opinion and, and some spiritual feeding and worship and stuff like that. But when you get into a small group and you really get to know people and have like a deeper connection, um, that was a big thing for, for me and my wife getting more plugged into our last church, um, was, was forming those, you know, real friendships with people. What's it going to be like for you guys since you're in the middle of moving, uh, trying to get plugged in? to a new church because that's all that's always we've done it, it twice one time our pastor the methodist church so i grew up baptist my wife grew up catholic we're like i don't want to do baptist but i know i don't want to do catholic because i went to a catholic <laughs> high school no offense i just yeah. was like that, my the, family the, comes from catholic so i was like what's a good uh middle ground and so we settled on it we really liked methodist church but the one thing they do which was foreign to me is they'll if a pastor of like so we would go to the contemporary service uh-huh. And that pastor started doing really well and drawing bigger crowds. And so the first thing they do is transfer them out to their own church. You know, uh-huh. they deserve it. So yeah. that's happened to us twice. And, uh, and so we've, we've jumped churches a couple of times, finally found a place where I don't think that's going to happen again, but you know, okay. know. but, uh, but yeah, so you guys are, you're about to experience that, huh? Yeah. And it's weird too, because my last job i was full-time staff at a church so Mm -hmm. right about i was at the christian broadcasting network i was a producer for the 700 club tv show 
for five years. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's Pat mm-hmm. Robertson. Um, pretty cool. I got to travel all around the world filming disaster relief uh, stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, came off of that. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to go into full-time ministry. And so I went, I worked at this church, our church for, I worked there for two years and I kind of helped launch the online ministry. And then I kind of started right around when the COVID shutdowns happened. So the online thing was like huge. Um, and then, but I was working from home too. So that's when I started the podcast, uh, when I was in that time working from home and working for the church. And so I was working for the online campus and, you know, so Sunday mornings I was here like working, like, you know, chatting with people and stuff, you know, how it was during COVID. I don't know if you guys ever went to online church or not, but, um, and then, so it was just, so we, we did. Ca- and then we, we bailed. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It's, it's not it, I couldn't it, do it. church. Like I said, church is about community. If you want to get spiritually mm-hmm. fed, you know, that's cool. But like the, you know, and you can watch church online. I'm not like bashing it, but like real church is meant for community and you can't mm-hmm. get that on a computer. You just can't. Right. So, um, and the kids anyway. thought it was like punishment to have to sit down in front of the TV <laughs> on Sunday morning and watch an hour of church. They're like, yeah, and all the churches were trying to figure out how to do it, and a lot of it was awkward at first, or you know, it was yeah. a challenging time, like because we were figuring it out as we were going. But we, you know, what's cool though is we're we're back to passing around the offering plate and having communion, like we always do. Cool, just like so, good old, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Um, but anyway, so it's all that to say is it's kind of weird because we've been sort of out of the routine of like going to church because I was working from home and working mm-hmm. on the online campus for so long. And then, you know, we're, like I said, about to move. So it's like, we don't want to get plugged into a new church, you know, and then leave in three or four weeks. So mm-hmm. we're kind of waiting to get really plugged into one until we get up there into our new spot, but uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah. Well, right on. So um, what haunts other than the, uh, the doll sheep hunts 2023? Yeah. What hunts are you looking forward to for this fall? Well, um, Okay. I was going to, I haven't decided yet. I may still go film for somebody. Um, Brad Hunt apparently has a good elk tag. I may go film for him in September doing archery elk, but I kind of want to do a hunt instead of just film somebody doing a hunt. So um, I, I last minute threw in, well, I have a couple of long, you know, long shot applications in for like an early rifle and muzzleloader elk tag in idaho and a um controlled pronghorn hunt in idaho but they're kind of long shot draws Mm -hmm. but i just put in last minute for wyoming on a zero point unit um so it's going to be challenging there's a fairly limited amount of public on it um but i think i can get it done um we'll see i'm just gonna get out there early and camp on them if i can so Um, you drew a tag or this was over the counter i haven't drawn it yet but Mm -hmm um last year it was a hundred percent draw with zero points um like everybody like they allocate i think they allocated like two or three hundred tags in this unit and like a hundred of them got actually taken so um it's good antelope country it's just very limited public so it's gonna be i'm basically just gonna get there a day early check it all out find some good spots and literally just camp there and be out there early and be the first one there <laughs> Yeah, and just okay. see what happens. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm hunting Wyoming too. First time okay. I uh, had five elk points that me and a buddy, oh. we burned them. So nice. Yeah. We'll be uh, 
headed to archery. Is it Wyoming, the cowboy state. Yes. Are you doing archery? Or are you doing the general? Uh, okay. Yeah. Did you get general rifle tags or you got a controlled like? No, no, you... just uh general archery tag. So it's okay. good for the, I think it's good for the entire month of September, basically. That's cool, man. Yeah. Are you doing like DIY or mm-hmm. oh, yeah. nice, man? Yeah. Dude, we should we should talk because I'm saving up points, you know, everywhere, and that'd be yeah. cool to team up on something one day because I still have a lot to learn. And but um, anyway, um, so hoping to do that one should should be able to draw something. It might not be great, but it'll be fun. It'll be a hunt. Yeah. Um, then October, I have a really cool hunt in Idaho. I actually have an elk tag and a deer tag. Um, the area we're going is more of a deer spot. Um, but I'm going with Luke Dusenberry, who's another really talented videographer. I don't know if you've seen, you may have seen some of his stuff and don't even know it, but he's worked for like loophole and mountain ops and, mm. um, go hunt. Um, actually that go hunt film that just came out with Brady Miller, the yeah. mule deer one, he filmed that one. So anyway, we're teaming up on that one and we're both going to like take turns filming and, and hunting kind of a spot. It got it type thing. And that'll be the first time he's done it that style. Um, and we're going to make a film about it. So looking forward to that. And then um, November, I have a general rifle tag for deer in Montana. Oh, nice. And I'm thinking about, I may do that with like Brian and Ryan uh, Lampers and Mark Livesey and their crew, but there's a lot of them. And Ryan wants to get, you know, Paley, his daughter to shoot one. And Mark wants to hit, have his little boy shoot one. So it's a lot of people and a lot of tags. I yeah. might either share a base camp with them and kind of try to split off or I may just end up doing my own thing. I'm not sure yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I don't want to, I don't want to go. So will you a, film that solo if you're by yourself or what? Yeah. I'll find somebody to go with me or something. I'll figure it out. I don't know, but yeah, I could film it myself. Yeah. Um, I'm just not sure how it's going to go down yet. Um, I may work with them. I work in conjunction somehow, not sure. Or I might just do it my own thing. I'm totally not sure. Um, it just, because I have a tag, I want to be able to shoot a deer <laughs> basically. So I don't want to get pigeonholed into just filming or like, you know, waiting because the kid, you know, they want to get the kids to shoot first. And then, you know, of course you're going way to better with the deer tag. I would just say, you know what? You guys have fun. Make yeah. it all about the kiddos. I am, exactly. I'm trying to make a career out of this. So for sure, you know, I got, but it's a my, weird gotta... balance. Cause it's like, it's also good for me to be with them and to be working yeah. with them and be, you know, doing so and learning from them and, um but obviously you know people want to see ryan or brian shoot a deer they don't care about me shooting a deer but like you said i got to build my own thing too so i don't know exactly how it's going to go down is all i'm trying to say and then in january i am going with those guys to mexico to do a coos deer hunt actually nice with brad ryan and brian i am supposed to go to mexico for a mule deer hunt in uh, sonora in december that sounds really cool, man. I've yeah. been, I was looking into those. Um, yeah. The cool thing about this coos deer hunt is that um, we booked it with Jay Scott and he basically gets you like a ranch and you basically like have a lease for a week and it's DIY and you can just hunt kind of how you mm-hmm. want, which is the way, you know, we like to hunt um, again, nothing against a guided hunt at all. It's just, it, it's just the way we like to do it. And, um, but I couldn't find anything mule deer down there that wasn't guided. Yeah. I don't know if you will. You won't. I don't they're, think they're, they're so expensive now. Yeah. Mule deer have, since I started 
doing this for a living almost 15 years ago, mule deer is the one thing like most of the species have stayed, you know, relatively close to what they were. Uh-huh. Everything's gone up a little bit. Mule deer you just, used to be like five grand. Dude, you can't get, if you want to really a trophy mule deer hunt, $15,000. Yeah. 12 to 15 grand guarantee it. Like that's yeah. the one thing where it's like everyone all of a sudden wanted to shoot a big mule deer. Yeah. Um, so, that's, a, that's going to be a really cool hunt, man. Yeah. I'm not paying any 12 to 15,000. I'm I sure know, you're not. I know but, a guy. Yeah. <laughs> a, a guy who has gone to Africa with me twice is a Mexican friend of mine. And oh, so he, nice. he has the, the connections down there. So dude, if you ever want to get any of those connections on film, maybe you should let me know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't know. We, if, if if it's filmed, you, the connections might end. You, it, it might be one of those things where you come you come back minus your head or something. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've heard some stories uh, of some crazy stuff happen down there. I mean, that was my first question: is are we safe from the cartel? Like, yeah. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> at least you have a rifle say, in your hand. My wife isn't real thrilled about Mexico, but yeah. My oh, wife doesn't really ask many questions. She doesn't. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, mine is smart enough to, or I know she's always been very smart, but I've, I've educated her. Just don't, when will you be home? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever it's done. Yeah. You know, like now, now, like good. she does know like itineraries for national right. trips or if I'm flying, going somewhere. But it's like if you're going to the lake to go duck hunting or going to the deer lease and she knows I'm coming back on Saturday, don't ask what time I'm coming back. Oh, on Saturday. right, right, right. I'll right. be there when but I But for get traveling there. trips, do you ever have any open-ended? Like, because... Never have, no. Okay, yeah. Because I might, like, you know, I might draw, hopefully, Lord willing, a I'll general... early. Like, yeah, that's I good. tagged out on the first or second day. You know? Yeah. I'm not going to sit around camp for five days, but... Right. Uh, no, I've never booked it open-ended. Have you? No, but I was just saying, like, um, I might, Lord willing, draw a rifle, general rifle elk tag in Wyoming next year. If mm-hmm. I do, I would like to go and just say I'm not leaving until the season ends or I kill one. But mm-hmm. I haven't asked. I haven't cleared that with the boss lady. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not it's a tight it's a tight. You're not really asking them. But at the same time, you know, I think there's a problem. You're asking, a lot. Better. you're asking a lot of them. To, yeah. I mean, you have how many kids? I have two um, and we're blessed to have some help with my, my mother-in-law, but um, there is literally a proverb that says it's better to live on the corner of a rooftop than in a home with a quarrelsome wife. And that is true. There's no doubt. <laughs> so, so the moral of the story is you guys educate your wives and just get them, get them <laughs> yeah. learned up to where they are. They're not asking about when you're going to be <laughs> learned. <home>. up. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, man. And if you get backhanded, uh, it wasn't me. It wasn't my fault. So. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, okay. Well, where can folks find you? Yeah, man. Thanks. Um, you know, the podcast is on all podcast networks or not. You know what I'm saying? Anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yeah. The Hunter's Quest right uh-huh. there on the hat. Um, I'm trying to grow my YouTube channel. So you can search my name, Hunter McWaters or the Hunter's Quest on YouTube. This itty bitty channel now, but there is some cool stuff on there. I put my podcast on there and some extra, you know, like gear type videos, but also my filmed hunts. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you can watch my Kodiak film on there. It's really cool. You guys check it out. It's something you can do DIY. And it's not that expensive. Um, so yeah, YouTube and, and then Instagram at the Hunter's Quest. Um, 
I'm pretty active there. So yeah, man. So last question about that. Uh, yeah, no Kodiak hunt. Sure. Did you see a lot of bears? Quite a few, actually. Um, you'll see in the video. I mean, what we got, we landed on the lake and we we're about, I don't know, halfway setting up camp, finished setting up camp. And we look across the lake and there's a sow with like four cubs just like running along. And, um, and, you know, we set up, a, we had a bear fence, which you can rent really easily, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, but, and then there were a few, actually the last day. So on that hunt, my buddy shoots the 11th biggest Sitka blacktail ever recorded killed on Kodiak. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> on the last. And then, thir- and then like 30 seconds later, I jump over on his pack and shoot another one right next to it. Like on the last morning of the hunt, it's oh, cool man. how it ends. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, that area we were glassing with the deer were like you know i don't know 800 yards on the other kind of side of this basin in between right before we went on that stalk we had seen um a sow and a cub so that to say is yes we saw a lot of bears but um only sows and cubs and they were the ones i don't want to see (laughs) right but they they had they were no problem they never came close to camp i think if they even got any hint that we were anywhere near we're gone now in August, most of your bears are going to be down low eating salmon and be fat and happy. October, November is a different story. Yeah. Um, but we were up really high and saw quite a few bears, but they were polite. Mm, well, that's good. That's yeah. my, <laughs> uh, my grizzly experience, um, different subspecies, but, uh, was in Montana black bear hunting and we saw more grizzlies than we did black bear. They're so, getting bad. Yeah. Well, you, you can't hunt them. You know, we've tried to take them off the endangered yeah. species list, but uh, circuit court judges keep. The antis get real big about and, and bears for some reason. I've but gotten it, a lot it, of it hate. It was wolves for the longest time. They've really, they really have in the last two years yeah. kind of refocused on bears. So. The most negativity I've gotten ever has been on the, the bear hunting content so far. Um, and I haven't gotten a lot of negativity, but like I got some on the bear stuff, but yeah, like my buddy who's really into backpacking in Montana said that you are required now to carry a bear canister for your food, like a bear proof canister hmm. when you're hiking Interesting. and they're like apparently big and heavy. And so it's weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. You guys check it out. The hunter's quest uh, hunter. Thanks for your time, man. Certainly. Dude, I really appreciate it. you having me. Yeah. We'll do it again. I'm sure. Yeah, man. Great talking to you. So there you have it, Hunter McWaters of the Hunter's Quest podcast. Y'all check that out at your convenience. Uh, That's going to do it for this episode of Campfire Conversations. I'm Cable Smith. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you guys very soon.